Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. The COVID-19 pandemic forced almost every aspect of society to alter its work processes, and college libraries had their own alterations to make as well. As institutions turned almost exclusively to online classes, librarians' duties shifted rapidly. Karen Reed, an education librarian with the James E. Walker Library, has co-authored a study of how librarians' roles changed as a result of the initial pandemic shutdowns. We'll examine the study's conclusions and possible implications for librarians going forward after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. The MTSU Solar Boat Team received major awards from judges evaluating the 2022 Solar Splash Competition held recently in Springfield, Ohio, placing fourth overall. The Blue Raiders captured first place honors in the categories of Outstanding Workmanship, Outstanding Hull Design and Drivetrain Design, and third place in the 300-meter Sprint event. Solar Splash is the world championship of collegiate solar boating taking place across five days at Champions Park Lake adjacent to the Clark County Fairgrounds. Cedarville University, the host school, claimed overall first place honors at the early June event. The competition provides a showcase for students' innovative boat designs and gives awards for endurance, sprints, and slalom on the water events, plus awards for technical reports, video presentation, workmanship, and engineering design. And MTSU has taken its first steps toward changing the narrative about aging from the negative to the positive. The university's inaugural Positive Aging Conference welcomed about 100 participants to the Miller Education Center June 10th for a day of upbeat speeches and conversations about growing older in America. Keynote speaker Julie Sweetland of Frameworks Institute explained how sociological experiments designed to detect implicit bias against older persons help activists understand society's attitudes toward them. Sweetland proceeded to call for changing the language used in public discourse from one of exclusion and paternalism to one of inclusion and possibilities. Finally, Sweetland advised telling a new story about what aging is like by encouraging businesses and governments to revamp their advertising and marketing. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Karen, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Hi, nice to see you. What did your colleagues and you want to find out? We wanted to know what other librarians who uh, perform similar work to us. We're all education librarians at different institutions um, in the United States. And we wanted to see how they experienced COVID in terms of their work and, you know, how things had changed. What were people doing before and after uh, the pandemic and how did that impact our work? So what was your uh, methodology? We sent out a survey to uh, members of a professional organization that we are all in. So our organization is under um, the Association of College and Research Libraries. And within that, there's a particular subset for people who are all education librarians at academic universities. So we sent out a survey and we collected the results and we performed a descriptive statistics and uh, some crosstabs and looked at uh, what we found. Most of our questions were like a Likert scale or um, clicking on options of, you know, did you 
do this particular work task before or after COVID or have you always done this type of work? Um, so it was just a survey that we were hoping people could blitz through and give us some good results. So depending upon the librarian's job description, this was about an experience of either taking on additional duties or taking on a greater volume of duties or both. That's correct. And and also examining had they performed these duties before COVID even came on the scene um, or did they just take on these duties for the first time um, in the wake of COVID or were they always doing these types of duties and life, you know, didn't really change that much for them. That's what we were trying to determine. So how digitally astute or technologically prepared were the librarians for this online onslaught? That was one nice finding was that the librarians, uh, by and large, had already been doing this type of work before. They had already been very well adept in creating uh, these online guides to resources. Um, They were creating content, instructional content um, for online classroom deployment, all of these different types of things. For the most part, they were already doing this. Uh, What we saw was an increase in uh, volume as far as faculty wanting help to quickly move classes online. And so asking librarians to pitch in and help uh, create some of this uh, online instructional content um, and things like that. So yeah, actually, librarians, for the most part, were pretty well prepared. They'd been doing these types of job duties. But uh, life went on as it would if there had never been COVID, which is to say that some employees retired, some got sick, some passed away, and that created certain gaps in personnel that affected the workload of the other librarians, right? Absolutely. And that was another finding. So the survey really had some open-ended questions at the end that kind of help identified some of those aspects. So there were things that came through in participant writings as far as, you know, it's, I'm taking on so much. Um, I've had colleagues retire. They just don't want to come back, you know, to the library. And so I'm having to take on their job duties. Um, you know, the budgets are frozen. I don't know if we're going to get to hire you know, additional librarians to make up for these coworkers who have left. Um, And in some very sad cases, people even reported colleagues who passed away during COVID and they suddenly had to um, help out and take on the work that was left behind. They might have to deal with these particular kinds of situations in any set of circumstances, but dealing with it during a COVID-imposed shutdown that required practically all classes to go online was even more intense, right? Absolutely. It was, I think, the panic of everyone having to quickly pivot. And so not only doing your job as a librarian, but wanting to help your faculty members on campus as they had to very quickly move all of their um, instructional content to an online platform, which was something new for a lot of people uh, to struggle with, and they, they really needed help. And that was one nice uh, finding of our paper was that just the faculty wanting to reach out and, and tap these librarians for help. The, it was the value of prior relationships before COVID that faculty knew their librarians, that they knew 
who to go to for help and they knew what the librarians were capable of and, and that they could help them. That certainly came into play uh, very quickly during COVID when the faculty members needed help. We'll take a break here and be back in a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer an interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Karen Reed of the James E. Walker Library, co-author of a study about what happened when COVID-19 forced shutdowns around March 2020 and how libraries at colleges and universities had to make adjustments as more and more work was being done online. At least one librarian in the study stated that the library culture of trying to say yes to every patron, regardless of the library or the librarian's capabilities, added to the problem. Couldn't the librarians explain that they were somewhat hampered by a crisis at that time and and suggest alternatives? It's hard. I think that's part of our role as librarians. We really, we do want to help everyone on campus from our faculty to students. Um, it's kind of our culture to say yes and, and want to help out, um, particularly in a crisis situation. I think most of us would rather take on and, and help and provide that value rather than saying no. What did the respondents say about doing library work remotely themselves during the pandemic as opposed to actually going to the brick and mortar building and doing their jobs? It was reported that a, a lot of them, they had already had experience doing this, um, you know, on a short-term basis, um, working from home occasionally, or whether that was a set aspect of their job or just, you know, taking work home and doing it as, as we often do, uh, working in a university culture, you know, working nights and weekends at home. This was something a lot of people already had the infrastructure. And that was actually a, a sharp contrast that when we looked at from an international perspective in our literature review and contrasted the domestic approach against the international academic librarian approach, uh, there was a huge gap there because a lot of countries uh, reported they just did not have the internet infrastructure in place. Um, Employees didn't have home computers or internet access at home uh, to be able to quickly pivot. So uh, we're pretty fortunate in the United States that it seemed rather widespread that we had the technology tools in place and the infrastructure such that librarians could quickly pivot to working from home, that it wasn't a problem. If I remember correctly, the study said that the mostly the Western industrialized nations managed to deal with the shift 
uh, fairly well, whereas some of the global South nations, India, Nigeria, uh, countries where uh, internet connectivity was sort of hit or miss, they really struggled. Yes, that's, that's definitely what we found. And for the university students as well, uh, there was a heavy reliance on their smartphones to try to stay connected, to, to stay um, involved in their classes, keep up with their coursework. A lot of countries, the uh, infrastructure supports smartphone usage uh, far better than having home computers and things like that and, and the internet capability that's required. Something for us to think about as librarians too, how can we design our website and uh, our different resources to present well on a smartphone. Um, it's something that we need to be probably doing more as our own students uh, rely heavily on smartphones as well. Since the traditional college students, the 18 to 21, 24-year-old crowd uh, seem to be inextricably tied to their cell phones anyway, it might be quite a boon if they could do the kind of research they needed to do on their cell phones for their essays, their projects, and whatever else other kind of classwork that they have to do. And that would uh, decrease traffic in and out of the library, but then you could still be able to track the metrics of library usage. Absolutely. And I, I think that underscores so much of our paper. It, it's not necessary to be physically in the library to use the library resources. So how can we acquire library resources to support that approach going forward. Of the uh, 13 people who said that they were professionally unprepared, 85% of them came from colleges with significant graduate programs or research intensive institutions. I, I thought that was really interesting. I don't know quite what to make of that. What do you make of it? My um, co-authors and I had a, a similar response. We thought, yes, that, that's really interesting. We don't know what to make of it. I don't know if it's, um, we just have different expectations in uh, higher research productive universities such as MTSU that um, maybe we just feel the need to accommodate and stay on, on top of things. And we're just more self-aware, more conscious maybe of limitations. So so I'm not sure what to make of that, but we thought it was interesting one to include it. It seems counterintuitive because you would think a research intensive institution would have students who would need library materials even more than undergraduates in doing their research that they needed as they pursue master's degrees and PhDs. I think maybe us, when we're working at um, higher research productive institutions such as MTSU, we're more aware of what's out there. We want to have as many resources as possible, but you know we're bound by financial limits. So it's almost knowing uh, what's out there and what your limits are. And maybe others are kind of blissfully ignorant of what, what's out there, you know, and, and content with what they have um, at a certain level. But when you know your limitless bounds, um, working in higher research, you, you, you want to have it all, perhaps. I, I don't know. How did this shift in duties affect librarians' relationships with faculty members? We found that it had really strengthened the relationship so that faculty who knew maybe a little bit about their librarians and maybe had some idea before COVID um, for librarians to be able to respond so quickly and, and to provide assistance um, in a time of need that really strengthened the bond. And so it would be something interesting to follow up with if the faculty are, have been 
you know, more willing, willing to collaborate and work with their librarians if, um, if our librarian population is seeing um, additional collaborative opportunity. Something librarians often struggle with, and this is something I've, you and I have talked about in, in prior research that I've worked on, particularly with school librarians, is a lack of parity between the librarian and the faculty member and how to achieve that parity in the, in the relationship so that it isn't this power dynamic with librarians not being at an equal footing. It's, it's these opportunities for librarians to demonstrate their value, their knowledge basis, and, and what they can do, particularly in a time of need that hopefully helped elevate the role and to reduce that gap in parity. Librarians, perhaps some people outside of academia don't realize it, are also professors. Right. That, that is uh, something we enjoy at MTSU is that the librarians here are faculty members, but not every academic institution has the same role for their librarians. Some it's, it's more of like an administrative track at some libraries, but it's really nice to work at MTSU and, and to be a faculty member here and to go through the tenure process. So since the faculty had to depend upon the library and the librarians more and more and more during this time, do you feel more appreciated now? <laughs> I'm lucky. I, I work with excellent faculty here. I've, I've had a feeling of appreciation, but it was definitely um, to read uh, my survey participants and to see some of that come out in our open-ended questions, uh, you know, responses that we received from participants that there, it was definitely indicated that way that there was some greater appreciation. We'll take another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Karen Reed, an education librarian with the James E. Walker Library, co-author of a published academic study about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic shutdowns on college and university libraries and librarians. Did some librarians express concern about job burnout? Not in those directive words, but definitely there were things that came out as far as the exhaustion, the stress levels. It was such a horribly stressful time for everyone um, with their own personal concerns, but definitely in the workplace to lose colleagues due to, um, you know, colleagues resigning or, you know, as we talked about, in, in some cases, some people actually had colleagues pass away. A very stressful time on top of massive overload of work that had to quickly switch to the online environment. So yes, there was definitely um, feelings of burnout, but I don't know that our participants uh, 
phrased it that way exactly, but reading between the lines, that was definitely going on. From your own uh, personal experience, what was the the March 2020 shift to online learning and away from classroom learning like for you and your colleagues at the James E. Walker Library? It was very hard to not uh, be in the physical library uh, with my colleagues. We all work really well together. We learn so much from each other. It's so nice to just be physically here to be able to pop in someone's office with a question or, you know, so I guess all of us just working at home. For me, it was, uh, it was very lonely to not be able to see my colleagues every day and, you know, to be able to talk to them and, um, you know, find out what they're working on. Certainly, you can do these things through email, but it's just not the, the same effect as um, being able to have that spontaneity to pop in and, and talk to someone. So I missed that collaborative element. I feel like it was far more difficult to collaborate. You just don't get the same warmth of, you know, through email or <laughs> uh, emailing documents or, or, you know, even a Zoom. It's just something about being in person I prefer. Did your volume of responsibilities increase and your colleagues' volume of responsibilities increase too? I think it was similar to the study. We were doing these things. Yeah, it was just like a shift to, whereas, right, to conduct our instruction in person, to have to suddenly shift and move all that to online uh, learning content modules. Those are very time-consuming to produce and to edit, you know, the shift to getting the resources in place. It, it's hard to remember a time uh, in a way without Zoom, but, you know, we didn't have uh, Zoom access, um, you know, learning tools like Panopto weren't in place. We had to quickly, uh, as a university, acquire these licenses and get them in place and get people trained on how to use these things. So all of that takes time and, and it's stressful when you want to just quickly figure it all out and be able to deliver results. And I think it's, it's hard when, you know, to step back and have to invest that time in learning new software and, and how to be effective. Um, it's stressful for everyone. From a young college student's perspective, I can imagine uh, someone of the millennial generation will thinking, well, you know, they must have everything online because everything's online nowadays. And well, no, for example, there are some reference books that you can't check out of the library. You have to use them in-house. Now, do you have an online copy of that accessible or do you not have an online copy of that accessible? These are the kinds of questions you have to deal with, right? From the collection development side, that there were a lot of tricky situations, even um, things we wanted to be able to provide, um, you know, access to things like textbooks, but textbook licensing is uh, totally different and its own problematic things. And, um, and it was hard to explain to students and faculty just because you can get like an ebook copy of a, a class textbook through the bookstore. That doesn't mean that the library, we're, we're not licensed to um, have the ebook the same way. The, these licenses just aren't made for an academic library to be able to hold the license and, and check out on a large scale like that. That's up to the publishers. That's really not something, you, you know, it's, it's very difficult to circumvent all of these things. So that was hard, I guess, is, is matching patron expectations with the reality of we're being constrained by publishing agreements and things like that. So librarians are kind of 
caught in the middle. And it is hard for us because we really do try to accommodate and help people. And it, it, it's hard when you're in the middle like that. And you, you want so badly to help people, but you're constrained by the terms of publishing. Which is beyond your control, totally. Right. right yes. <laughs> what kind of research do you think other academics can perform using your study as a jumping off point? We wanted to have this research in place. We wanted to remember what we as librarians were going through during COVID. I think uh, as the world has moved on from COVID and, you know, maybe some of us want to forget it was a, a dreadful time. And then um, so sometimes just having, you know, research in place so that we remember, we remember what people went through. We remember what a traumatic shift it was. Um, we're hoping researchers can take this forward and build on it as far as um, specific aspects of the academic institution and what went forward. I know for my research team, we're interested in looking at uh, public service changes that were put in place. Things like, um, I know here at Walker, we started um, like a pull and hold service and even just the way we do checkouts and it's um, less contact and touching of the materials. You know, you're, you're doing some checkouts on your own as the patron, you know. And so these are, there were things that we put into place um, and things that I think we even take it for granted now. We've just gotten so used to doing it a certain way. And we have to remember, oh yeah, we didn't do it this way um, before COVID. Uh, so some of these changes have been long lasting. And like I said, you know, with mobile technology and how can we um, approach things from a collection development side to have e-content that's mobile phone friendly, um, you know, changes going forward to make things more accessible uh, to our users. So uh, COVID really wasn't a flash in the pan. It really changed the way libraries are delivering their services. And I think um, in the rush to just kind of get back to normal after, you know, lockdowns and masks and all of these uh, things of, of COVID, but, you know, it's remembering kind of where we were just even a few years ago in our delivery services and, and what we're doing now. So um, I hope that the research that my team worked on will um, be kind of a page in that book. The study was published, uh, ironically, online April 12th, 2022, by the Journal of Academic Librarianship, if you'd like to look it up, and then you'll be able to see all of the quantitative and qualitative data for yourself. Karen Reed, thanks for being our guest on MTSU on the Record. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. 
Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. Middle Tennessee State University celebrated the first graduates from its new data science bachelor's degree program this spring. With the master's degree program now set for fall, this burgeoning interdisciplinary field is drawing attention from current and prospective students. Recent graduate Musa Ture of Nashville explains the need for more data scientists. Before, a lot of businesses would actually would not be leveraging data to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, all the businesses in this world would deal with consumers and customers. And for you to be successful in any market, you have to understand who your customers are. You have to understand what they want. How do they like it? How do they think? You have to be able to analyze and make those decisions. So data science, I feel like, became a growing field for the, because, because of the need for the businesses to get to understand who their customers are so that they can provide products and services that meet their needs. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.